0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the 59th minute FPL podcast, which is brought to you by Fantasy Football Scout. I'm Mark McGedigan. You'll find me on Twitter at FPL General. Game week one is almost upon us. It's time to get those teams locked in and ready for battle in another FPL campaign. When the season does kick off this weekend, there will be a 59th minute podcast every Monday and every Friday throughout the season, aside from those international breaks. Make sure you hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening and leave a review if you get a chance as well. This episode will consist mainly of listener questions, which will cover most of the hot topics going into the new season. I'll talk you through my latest draft as well, and the other players that are on my mind as we approach the first deadline of the season. Remember, it is a Friday deadline for game week one. Don't get caught out. It's actually a Friday deadline for the first four game weeks of the season. This week is your last chance to take advantage of the Fantasy Football Scout 30% pre-season discount. There's a link for that in the show notes. It's also a great time to sign up to my Patreon to get yourself extra podcasts every week, as well as live streams, Q&As, Discord and team reveals. If you missed last week's episodes, it covered my golden rules and overall strategy for the season. It's a good episode to listen to before the weekend if you have time. Let's get straight into it. FPL Sponge came at me with three great questions. I couldn't just pick out any one of these. I had to answer all three. The first one is, who is the best 6.5 million midfielder? A. Mbumo, B. Eze or C. Matoma? I know a lot of people like myself are really struggling with this decision. Some people will probably end up with two 6.5 midfielders. Some might go an extra step and have all three. Sometimes if you can't decide between A or B, sometimes it's best to just get two of them. So the order, my order of preference on this has probably changed quite a few times during pre-season. It's probably still going to change right up until Friday. Matoma has been in most of my drafts. I think it comes down to probably having a good time with him last season. Maybe that's not a good reason to have him in my team this year. But more so, I rate Brighton. The most compared to Brentford and Crystal Palace when it comes to the quality of the team he plays for. I also really like the first three fixtures for Matoma over the others as well. I know Mbumo also has good fixtures. He's got possibly penalties. I think there's a good chance he'll be the Brentford penalty taker in the absence of Ivan Tony. So that kind of bumps him up. And then you've got Eze who's probably going to be the Crystal Palace talisman, stepping up now that Zaha is gone. He's probably going to have penalties as well. So it's a really, really tricky decision. There's kind of pros and cons for most of these guys. But at the moment, I'm leaning towards Brighton's Matoma. And it mostly does come down to that Brighton factor that I really fancy them to have another big season. And I really like them short-term fixtures as well. Maybe it's a case of Matoma for the first three game weeks. And then if Bumo or Eze are performing well, maybe you jump off to one of the others. But I could honestly land on any one of these three. Once it gets to Thursday night, Friday morning, once that Game Week 1 team needs to be locked in, I know I'll probably be you know, panicking on which 6.5 million midfielder to go for. But most likely, if the deadline was in five minutes' time, I'd be on Matoma as my first choice. I'd probably just about have Mbumo as my second choice. And then Crystal Palace third. And again, it's probably, in terms of the teams, I rate Brighton the highest. Probably Brentford then next and Crystal Palace a little bit lower. But hopefully all three will be good options for us throughout this season. Next question from Sponge. Who's the best Arsenal midfielder? Sponge understands why Saka and Martinelli are popular. But is Odegaard being overlooked this is something I've been given a lot of thought this week. Odegaard wasn't really in any of my drafts throughout preseason. But then when when Gabriel Jesus picked up the injury, it got me thinking more about Martinelli versus Odegaard. Saka for me is a is a no-brainer, an easy pick, absolutely locked into my game one team, not gonna overthink that one. But then I think Martinelli versus Odegaard, the dilemma I'm having is Martinelli is 0.5 million cheaper. I do think he's more of the goal scorer compared to Odegaard, who's probably more about assists, although both of them performed pretty similarly in terms of numbers last season. The the dilemma I'm having is like I'm quite keen to keep 0.5 million in the bank going into game week one. So if I go Odegaard's, I might not have the 0.5. Whereas if you go for Martinelli, you have that little bit of extra cash for future transfers. So I also haven't ruled out going for two Arsenal players instead of three. I've had three in almost every draft so far. But maybe it's a case of not going Martinelli or Odegaard and just going for Saka and Gabriel at the back. And then leaving the door open for a Martinelli, an Odegaard, a Havertz, a Trossards, maybe even an Enketia. Let's, you know, maybe it's a good idea to see who emerges over the first couple of game weeks. So that's something I need to decide on over the next couple of days as well. But I do think Odegaard's been overlooked. I do think he's a very good FPL pick. He's still on my watch list. And there's every chance I go Odegaard over Martinelli, because I do have slight, slight concerns about Martinelli's minutes where I don't really have any with Odegaard. So there is a chance I spend the extra point five and go Odegaard over Martinelli. Let's face it, the way I play the game, I don't take too many risks. I like my minutes, and Odegaard ticks that box more so than Martinelli. So Odegaard, yes, he's been overlooked. He's a great option. And I'm sure we'll see him in a few more teams as we get closer to the deadline. So, at the moment, I think I'm on Saka, Gabriel Martinelli. Martinelli could change to Odegaard, but I'm also open to going with just two instead of three. Final question from Sponge. Do we play FPL for minutes or for points? Are high upside players like Foden, Jao Pedro and Trossard worth the rotation risk? I like this question. Do we play FPL for minutes or for points? Obviously, we play it for points. And I always think you can't get the points if you don't have the minutes. But yeah, I think certainly the way I play the game, you do miss out on you know massive point holes from exciting players who maybe don't play ninety minutes every week, but when they are on the pitch, are very very capable. You know, I think of a Riyad Mahrez as well. You know, before he left, if you you, you sit through the benches and the zero pointers and the one pointers, very often Mahrez gives you you know the odd fifteen pointer, which is very very nice. But I'm always kind of slow and steady, pick a player who's going to be on the pitch for 90, 95, 100 minutes and try and get the points slow and steady over the season rather than try and hit the spikes on these more risky players, I would call them. So Foden in particular, there might be a question about him later, but just in case there isn't, there was. he was in a couple of my drafts. Then the Community Shield basically reminded me of how frustrating it can be to own a player like Foden under Pep Guardiola because there's always going to be times where he's on the bench and I just don't like sweating over team sheets. So I think I'm going to swear Foden, even if there's a team leak on Friday. I'm going to Fantasy Football Fest on Friday. I've got a five-hour train journey. Going to try and do a bit of work throughout the day as well. And when I arrive at Fest at four or five o'clock, I, I don't want to be anywhere near the FPL website. So I'm really going to try and lock my team in this season on Thursday night, because I just want a nice, relaxed Friday and not have to worry about my own team. Um, so I don't think I'm going to let any team leaks on Friday influence my decision. Just make my bed with no Foden, no Alvarez, and then just you know see how things go over the first couple of game weeks. Uh, Trossard, to me, again, probably not worth the risk, given that there's no guarantee that he starts, a bit like Foden. Next question is related to Joe Pedro, so I'll cover him there, from Peter Fitzpatrick, he says, how do you see Joe Pedro as a pick? I've completely ignored him up until about 24 hours ago, maybe 48 hours ago, It's it's got to the point now where I don't think you can ignore Joe Pedro anymore, even if you're someone like me and you're very kind of strict in the way you pick your game at one teams. I'm looking at Matoma as my 6.5 midfielder, am I 100% confident that he's going to have a big couple of weeks? No. So I'm asking myself the question, could I could I save a million by not going Matoma, not going for any 6.5 million midfielder, and maybe going for the 5.5 price Joe Pedro, who has a very good chance of being on penalties, you know, club record signing, could just get lots and lots of minutes, and, and obviously lots of points to go with that. So Joe Pedro has made a very late, he's joined my watch list very late in pre-season, and I am now considering him. But I think when it comes to the crunch, I don't love him for team structure because I don't. I just have that feeling. If you go for a five point five striker, even if you leave zero point five in the bank, even if you leave a bit more, even one million or one point five, there's not a huge amount of strikers that you can pivot to. Now, if you if you if you go for Joe Pedro and you commit to him for the first two game weeks and you bank a transfer in game week two, even if he gets benched game week one, maybe you stomach it and you give him another chance game week two, you can always flip him back to a midfielder. In game week three with two free transfers. So I am open to it, but I still think I'm gonna go for Haaland Watkins and a 3-5-2. And I can get on Joe Pedro at a later date if he proved to be a good option. Just just more structurally, I'm just I'm not inclined to go there. But again, like the other midfielders I mentioned, I hope Joe Pedro is a good FPL pick for us this season. I'm seeing him in a lot of teams. A lot of people I'm talking to who are sending me teams have Joe Pedro. And honestly, I wouldn't tell anyone to take him out because he could be he could be a really good enabler this season. So I'm very interested to see how Joe Pedro plays out. But I'm kind of comfortable not going there to begin with just to see what happens. Question from FPL Tinkerer. We're all FPL Tinkerers this week. Is Salah captaincy in Game 2? Worth wrecking a balanced team structure? My short answer here is no. I am not going with Salah. I'm pretty set on that now because I made a couple of drafts with him and Haaland. Also, you know, similarly made a couple of drafts with Harry Kane and Erling Haaland. And I just really like what you can do with one premium rather than two. I like spreading the cash. I like having an overall You know, pretty strong 11 rather than having to cut a couple of corners or lose players that I don't want to lose. You know, I want double United midfield. I want possibly double Arsenal midfield. You have to sacrifice some of those if you get a Salah or a Harry Kane. So I don't think it's worth ripping up your team for one captaincy shout. When you can just captain Haaland, who's an absolute machine, even though he plays Newcastle, give me two. I'll be quite comfortable doing that. There's probably a couple of other captaincy options out there that week as well. So for me, I'll never buy a player just for one week, even if it has captaincy involved. And the drafts that I like most are the ones with just one premium. So at the moment, I'm very likely going to be on No Salah instead of Mo Salah. Question from Fies. With Jesus out for the short term... Is it a viable strategy to to just double on Arsenal and then keep the third spot open for a bandwagon, or should we just go with Odegaard's or Martinelli alongside Saka Gabriel, as the fixtures are too good from game week one to game week seven? So yeah, this is again this is something I'm kind of weighing up in my mind. Is it okay to just go with two Arsenal, or do you really just make your bed, pick three, attack the fixtures, especially when it's you know home to Nottingham Forest game week one? I think I lean towards just going for it, going with three. Um, you know, if you miss out on a, if Havertz starts hot or if Trossard starts hot, you know you can't predict, predict that before the season starts. So, perfectly viable to go with two Arsenal. Perfectly viable to go with three. And I think I am leaning towards probably going with three. And I think at the moment, Martinelli with the zero point five in the bank is what I'm leaning towards. Next question is from George Butters, good question about penalties, how much weight should being on penalties actually carry when assessing assets? We all seem to use them as a big reason for an asset over another, but how many penalties are they actually going to receive over a period in reality? So this kind of sparked me into doing a little bit of research, there's not a huge amount out there on Premier League penalties, But there was one website in Protector that was very handy with kind of historical penalty records for teams more so than players. So this kind of helped me get a better understanding of how I should approach penalty takers. I've always been kind of very loyal to be penalty takers in the Premier League when it comes to FPL because to me it feels like three points almost. You know, a a Saka can have a one out of ten performance or a Bruno can have a one out of ten performance. Get a yellow card, be absolutely terrible in the game could score two penalties because they're won by other players. So just some information that you might find useful. Over the last five seasons, this is the number of penalties in total in the Premier League. Last season, there was 98 penalties. The season before that, there was 103. Then there was a bit of an outlier, 124. That was a COVID season. And I think it might have been the season where there was new rules about handball and stuff. So that was a bit of a messy one in terms of penalties. Before that, 92 And then five seasons back, it was 103. So overall, you're looking at roughly 100 penalties in total over a Premier League season. And just looking at last season as well, it was 98 penalties, 74 were scored. The season before that, of the 103 penalties, 85 were scored. And I look back a little bit further, just a few other bits and pieces of information that stood out to me here from looking at these penalty figures. Last season... Man City had 10 penalties, Brentford had 8, so that was good news for Ivan Toni and Erling Haaland. Arsenal and Liverpool had 4 penalties each. Manchester United only had 3 penalties last year. Now, now, if you look historically, which I'll mention soon, they had a huge amount in previous previous seasons. So, if United can improve on 3 penalties, which they probably will this year, looking at, looking at the history of this, that will be better news for Bruno Fernandes, as long as he scores them, of course. And interestingly, last season, Bournemouth were the only team to have been awarded zero penalties. Going back one more season, 2021-2022, again, Manchester City were really high. They had nine penalties. So they've had 19 penalties in the last two seasons. Two years back, sorry, uh, not last season, the season before, it was better for Arsenal and Liverpool. They had eight penalties each. And Manchester United, again, not a huge amount. They had five penalties in 2021-2022. But again, on Manchester United... If we forget the last two seasons, 2020, 2021, eleven penalties. 1920, they had 14 penalties, and in 1819, they had 12 penalties. So historically, Manchester United have been awarded a lot of Premier League penalties. Maybe something has been done to. know fix that problem maybe we were getting too many and we certainly haven't had too many in the last two seasons so i'm interested to come back at the end of this season to see where manchester united fall on the table of penalties. so just a bit of information here that might kind of help you in terms of some of the players you might be looking at basically what i took away from this is if you're if there's going to be roughly 100 penalties in a season you've got 20 teams if it was split evenly, which obviously it isn't, you're expecting around five penalties per team. But obviously some can fall below that and some can can fall above that. And obviously you would expect the better teams to be awarded more penalties because they spend more time in the box and all that kind of stuff. So my takeaway here is it's probably not going to change too much in terms of how I pick players. I still really like a penalty taker. It's just a little nice added bonus. If I like a player anyway from open play, like a Saka like a Watkins, it's just a nice bonus that they are penalty takers. Next question is from FPL Swats. Thank you for all of your retweets on the podcast recently, Swat, as well. I really appreciate that. If Harry Kane stays, is it worth going in early on him or Madison? So, as we get closer to the season, Kane looks like he's going to stay for the short term at least. So, we probably need to start considering him for our FPL teams. Haven't been seeing him in... Any drafts really, because most people like myself thought he wouldn't be here by the time we got to game week one. Tottenham's fixtures, just to remind you, are Brentford's, Manchester United, then it gets good, Bournemouth, Burnley, Sheffield United, that's a nice run of three fixtures. And then it's Arsenal and Liverpool, I think that's game week six and game week seven. Harry Kane, 30 goals last season, I think he might have got about nine assists as well, just... I think he finished less than 10 points behind Erling Haaland in the end, which I think surprised a lot of us, given that most of us had Haaland all season and not too many people had Harry Kane for long stretches. Kane's ownership at the time of recording is around 14%. And that might not rise too much because people are probably pretty locked in on their teams at this stage. And again, people are worried that they might pick him in game week one, then he might leave and you're forced into a transfer. But certainly, if you're looking for a differential to start the season... Harry Kane could be the best one available out there. Question also mentioned Madison. I do like Madison more as a pick if Harry Kane is there to finish the chances that he creates. They to me, they're two players that will really enjoy playing with each other. Uh, you know, you you throw min Son, and Kolesar into the mix. That would be a really exciting you know front four if Harry Kane does stay. So Kane is on my mind again structurally. Don't think I'll be able to fit him in game week one. So I'm more likely to go for a Madison. Over a hurricane for budget reasons. And I talked about Martinelli. That spot is not 100% secure in my team. If I decide to go for just two Arsenal players instead of three, there's a good chance Madison might take that spot off Martinelli for the start of the season. Madison's my kind of FPL pick. He is a player you pick, you keep him long term. And if he plays the way he did at Leicester, you know, lots of avenues to points with set pieces, goals from open play, all that kind of stuff, he should. Proved to be good value at 7.5. So I like Madison as a possible player you pick in game week one and he could be in your team for a large chunk of the season. Question from FPL Himbo. Are there enough strong budget options to allow for a competitive team that includes Salah or Kane alongside Haaland and if so, who are they? So, mentioned a bit about this but I also just very quickly put a, a very quick draft together to see what it looks like if you do put Salah or Kane alongside Haaland. For this example, I think I put Harry Kane in there. So, it doesn't sound too bad. It's probably not something I'm going to do, but I'm sure some of you listening will like the sound of this and you'll be open to doing it. So, if you put Kane, Haaland and Joe Pedro up front, so this would be a 3-4-3 formation, that front three sounds pretty good to me, as long as Joe Pedro gets significant minutes. In midfield, you can still go Saka, Bruno, some like Madison, and then a 6.5 million midfielder. That's your Bumo, Matoma, or Eze. Or some people might be braver than me and take a punt on someone like Diaby at Aston Villa. Then in defence, the structure would be quite similar to what I have at the moment, a 5.5 and then two 5 million defenders. So it could be a City defender, it could be a Chilwell. Gabriel can be in there, a Stupinan, you know, the usual suspects. And then you've got a 4.5 goalkeeper. So, you can do it, and when you look at it on paper, it doesn't sound too bad. So, Let's say, for example, Pickford, Chilwell, Gabriel, in, Saka, Bruno, Madison, Matoma, Haaland, Kane, Shao Pedro. That to me sounds like a pretty good 3 4 3. But when I compare it to my 3 5 2 formations, I just do like, still like the 3 5 2s more. And I'll just, I think I'm going to take a pass on Kane and Salah, uh, assess how they do, and maybe come back to them when, when I play the first wild card whenever that is or whenever I've got two free transfers saved up I can do a bit of surgery even if it means a minus four but good to throw out some food for thought there on a different kind of setup for game week one question from Mark not from myself Mark with a C not with a K rank the best city defenders specifically for game week one out of Stones Diaz and Gvardiol. Mark is currently on John Stones and I think and he thinks Vardial is too much of a risk for game week one although if we get any team news would you save the 0.5 if he is starting yeah is a big big signing one of the you know most highly rated young centre backs in world football so we'd expect him to get a lot of game time over the long term maybe we you know we might have to be patient with him to begin with but again those team leagues if you're willing to be online and make late changes to your team on Friday which I don't think I am if you are if you're quite keen to get a City defender... If you're looking at Stones and Diaz already... Maybe you're looking at other players like a Kanji as well... If we get news that Gavardiol is starting... I think you do save the 0.5 and you put him in... Because if he starts game week one... There's a good chance he'll just get loads and loads of minutes... Uh, in the early part of the season... So... Yeah, I would... If, if you get news, I would be happy to put him in... I think the key is... If you're going for any City defender... Stones, Diaz, Gavardial... You want to make sure you've got a good first sub. You don't, want to, you don't want to have two 4 million defenders and a 4.5 million striker on your bench if you're going for a City centre-back. Because if they miss out, let's say John Stones misses a game or you know has an injury, you want to have maybe a 4.5 million defender on your bench that can come in instead of a Buyer or a Baldock or a Bell at Luton. Just a little bit of extra strength, I think, is sensible if you're going for a Manchester City defender just in case you get pepped. Question from Matt, it's nice and short. Gabriel versus Saliba, can you discuss that one? For me, it's quite a simple one. They are the same price. Um, Saliba, to me, is probably the better defender when you talk about real life and real football, not FPL. But FPL-wise, Gabriel has much better underlying attacking numbers, uh, has a good knack of getting his head on the end of corners and stuff like that. So, Gabriel, to me... Also, maybe a slightly better injury record as well. I know Saliba had back issues. And when it's back issues, I'm always a little bit wary of going for a player just in case we get a reoccurrence. But yeah, to me, Gabriel, just for that added goal threat. Again, if I seen Saliba in a team that I was looking at, I would not tell anybody to switch to Gabriel. Um, I do like Gabriel better, but that doesn't mean that it's going to play out that way. You never know. If Saliba can add a goal or two to his game, uh, he could turn out to be the highest scoring Arsenal defender. So Gabriel for me... Saliba, absolutely fine pick also. Question from Stephen Hunt. I'm stressing about having no Liverpool players in my squad, but I really can't afford Salah. Is Jota too much of a rotation risk, despite his good pre-season? So, I just get the fear when I think about Liverpool attackers, aside from Salah. Salah's pretty safe. When you've got Darwin, Jota, Luis Diaz, the new guys, there's a lot going on there. There's Again, I'm not very good at maths, but I know you know, six doesn't go into four or five doesn't go into three. If you've only got three attacking positions that even mention Gakpo there, there's so many options and I just don't like it. Give me a player give me a player like a Madison who's gonna play every week and I'll pick them all day long over players like Luis Diaz or Jota or Darwin because I don't want to worry about the minutes. Maybe after a couple of weeks if, if there's a pattern and someone is getting a lot of minutes or someone else is injured, then I'll absolutely go there. But to begin with Game week one. I don't want to, I don't want any of my players to be benched in game week one. And I think if you go for a Jota Diaz Darwin, you're you're setting yourself up for a bit of frustration as soon as the season starts. So for me, I will always lean towards the players who I'm confident of getting starts. So if I was forced to get a Liverpool player, Liverpool attacker, I would be finding the cash for Mohamed Salah. Question from Miles Lambert: Am I crazy for being tempted by Buendia? Not crazy, but. When you've got those others like Bumo, Eze, who probably have penalties. When you've got, I still like Matoma, Solly March is getting overlooked. You know, playing for a very good Brighton attacking team. Buendia, we've got a lot of history with Buendia in FPL. We've got a lot of information. And when I think of Buendia, I think of early substitutions. I think of benchings. So until I see a really good run of starts, I don't think I'll be going there. There's also a bit more competition in the Aston Villa. Attack now with the new signings, so I don't think it's a risk you need to take. If I was taking a risk on a Villa attacker, I think I'd go Diaby instead of Wendia. Question from Stephen McElkenny We need to talk about Jared Bowen. Stephen says he's unsure in him due to the lack of signings at West Ham, but Bowen had some good pre season form and he's guaranteed a start. Do we go there? Uh, I, I like Bowen as an option. I've kind of been weighing them up along with the 6.5 million midfielders all throughout pre-season, but when I had a little bit more of a look at the fixtures just this week, it did temper my expectations a little bit. I think West Ham have five tough fixtures in the first eight game weeks. They have the tough ones, I think, are Chelsea, Brighton, City, Liverpool and Newcastle. Now, they do have some good ones in there. They've got Bournemouth game week one. They've also got Luton game week four and Sheffield United game week seven, but when I look at a set of fixtures, when I see five tricky ones out of eight, I'm not too keen. So I do prefer some of the others that we mentioned earlier. Really do like Bone as a differential, but the fixtures are going to push me away from them to start the season. Question from Ishank: Is Inciso a good option for the 5th midfielder spot or should we look at other options within the same price point or lower? When it comes to midfielders at Inciso's price tag and lower, I think Inciso's 5.5. I don't really like any midfielders under 6.5. I don't even think there's much at 6. You could go a Gibbs White. But even there, not overly keen. I think you're better finding 0.5. I think the 6.5 bracket is pretty stacked with with good options. So, in CISO for me, it's been the same all season. Players like in Cso Ferguson, too much. Rotation fear for me with Brighton, with Europe, with them being so young. You know, I don't have as much worry about the likes of Sully March or Matoma or Astupinen. So I also don't want triple Brighton because the fixtures are good short term, but once you get to Game Week 4, Game Week 5, it gets trickier. And I don't want to have triple Brighton by that point. So I'm quite happy to just go with Astupinen and possibly Matoma and not go for a third Brighton asset. So for me, NCISO is an avoid because he's in that category of could this player be benched Game Week 1? Yes. No, thank you. I just keep it simple when it comes to those kind of players. Question from Marson. Calvert-Lewin, hot or not for the first five game weeks? Just don't think we can trust him in terms of fitness. I think there was a few comments just a few weeks ago that he you know, wasn't fully up to speed. He might be now, but again, it's also an Everton striker. How many goals are Everton going to score this season? Probably not a huge amount. So for me, Calvert-Lewin is, again, an unnecessary risk. Let's see some fitness. Let's see some goals. And then maybe we go there, but I will be avoiding Calvert-Lewin to begin with. That's it for the question section. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you do want to get your question featured on the pod this season, keep an eye on my Twitter, at FPL General. I put out a tweet most Sunday evenings and probably Wednesday or Thursday for questions for the pod. Moving on now to my latest draft. This one has 0.5 in the bank. I'll go through what my current team looks like and then I'll talk about some of the other players that are giving me headaches as we approach Friday's deadline. Goalkeeper situation, good to see Turner joining Nottingham Forest. I think he's the best best goalkeeper for the bench now at £4 Ariola can be removed and Turner can be stuck on the bench. At the moment, Sam Johnston at Crystal Palace is my goalkeeper pick. Guetta... Is trying to leave the club. So basically there's no other goalkeepers at Crystal Palace that are going to threaten Johnston's minutes. He's Roy Hodgins' man anyway. He's had a lot of faith in him in the last season or two. Johnston, kind of perfectly designed, I think, as an FPL goalkeeper for possible saves and bonus points. He's a good keeper. He's done it before. I think he had a very big season. He might have got about 140 points. Maybe it's two years back or three years back. So he got some pedigree when it comes to FPL. question is, do I really want a Crystal Palace goalkeeper? So... I don't think I'll go down the route of having two 4 million goalkeepers like we did last season. I just don't like Turner's fixtures that much at Nottingham Forest. I also don't think I'll go down the rotation route. Although if you do go for someone like a Pickford and a Turner, I think they do rotate quite nicely. So look into that if you're open to goalkeeper rotation. But at the moment, I'm on Johnston as my set and forget starting goalkeeper. And Turner's on the bench. If something goes wrong, I think I'd just start Johnston, even in the trickier fixtures. But again, goalkeepers, probably going to be the last position I settle on. Like I've said before, I find it the toughest position, toughest pick in this pre-season. So, Johnston and Turner in goal. Defenders haven't changed too much recently. Gabriel and in. almost definitely going to go with those two. The third spot is up for grabs. It could be a city defender, but it's currently Ben Chilwell. I just... My thinking with Chilwell is, yes, it's Liverpool first, but I want Ben Chilwell, game week two to game week eight. The is really good, so if I'm going to get him any, if I'm going to want him anyway, I can save myself a transfer, just get him in game week one. I'm quite happy to start him against Liverpool, I don't mind that. I've seen some people benching him, maybe going with a City defender and a Chelsea defender with one of them on the bench. But I'll happily start Chilwell against Liverpool, eh, not expecting a clean sheet, but hopefully an attack and return. If he gets a two-pointer... I don't care too much because I'm buying him for game week 2 to game week 8 rather than game week 1 anyway. So, Gabriel is stupid and Chilwell. And then on the bench, I want to have a 4.5 million defender rather than two, four million. So, Tarkowski's been in a lot of my drafts because I like Everton's fixtures. He's a big goal threat. And again, hopefully I'll never need him anyway. But as a first sub, I like him as a slight differential who can come on and you just hope you're lucky the week you do need him, that that's the week he can he can nick a goal. And with the fixtures, I know Everton are not great, but there's there's a few clean sheets in there, hopefully, over the first eight game weeks, until, you know, might end up wildcarding around that stage then, and you can decide, maybe go back to a botman at that point when his fixtures are better. So Tarkowski at the moment is winning the race as the 4.5 option, and then I've got Bayer from Burnley, who's been in all of my drafts, and I think he's going to stay as well. Midfield, Saka, Martinelli, Bruno, Rashford, Matoma. What is set in stone here? I think Sack is set in stone. Bruno and Rashford, I think, are set in stone. And then the Martinelli spots up for grabs. Could be a Madison, could be Audegard. And then Matoma. Again, Matoma could be Eze, could be Mbumo. I'm really struggling with that position. Uh, again, I think the goalkeeper position and the 6.5 million midfielder decision like many others, is what I'm struggling with. Up front, Haaland, Watkins, and most importantly, Plange, remains. I think he will remain. He was in my game at one team last season. He's now red flagged. No one else can pick him if they don't have him already. So I can I can keep him to myself in many ways, in many leagues and stuff like that. So, again, the thing with Plange, he's unlikely to fall in price. I, I don't know the exact rules about players flagged. Some people I've seen a few people tweeting saying, if you have a red flag player, that they won't fall in price. But I can't say that for sure. I haven't seen specific rules on that. Maybe someone can let me know if they if they do know the answer to that. But at least with someone like a Plans, he's much less likely to fall in price than, I think, Mubama at West Ham is the highest owned 4.5 million forward now. So that makes him the most likely to fall to 4.4 if people start wildcarding him out and stuff like that. So Plans will probably stay because it's a third sub. I don't need it. Um, and yeah, it's a little bit of a... Staying loyal to my boy, he's uh, I think he's John Carl John Carlisle in Loan, which is not a huge drive from Glasgow. So you never know. Maybe I'll take a trip down to see him see him in action at some point in the season and and, and get his autograph. So Halland and Watkins, I'm quite determined to stick with Watkins. Yes, there's some Joe Pedro temptation, but again, I've tried a few drafts with Joe Pedro, and I still really like the Watkins draft. So I think I'm pretty set on Watkins and Halland as my front two for the season. Now a few bullet points here. To go along with this draft, I've mentioned Odegaard over Martinelli. I'm going to weigh that one up. Madison and Joe Pedro have joined the watch list late in the day. Do I take Watkins out? Manchester City defender versus Chilwell or what about Ederson? have had some slight, slight, slight temptation to go Ederson, but I don't think that will happen. I think I'm going to swear Foden because I want to lock my team in on Thursday night so I can enjoy Fest on Friday you know, I do want to try and lock my team in 24 hours before the deadline because I always feel like if you're tinkering on the, on the Friday of the deadline, especially if you're tinkering very close to the deadline, you can get flustered, you can make bad decisions. I'd like to have a clear head on Friday. And unless there's a major injury or a major sign-in that changes things on Friday, I'd like to have my team set the night before and just have a stress-free Friday and whatever will be, will be. Big question mark, no Liverpool, no Trent. I don't think I've mentioned them on this podcast so far until, until the end. I'm not going to say definitely not just yet, but again, like the Salah drafts, the Trent drafts that I've made, I'm just not overly keen on them. And I'm not hugely confident in Liverpool clean sheets. And I think, you know, with a Chilwell instead of a Trent, you know, 2.5 million, you can do a lot with that cash. And I don't really want to lose any players that I've mentioned to get a Trent. So I love Trent. I've had him in my team very, very often. And I'm ready for pain if he does well. But there's many bit, you know, there's a lot of different ways to play this game. You can't really go into a season fearing any one player. I don't fear Salah. I don't fear Trent. I trust the team that I'm picking. And you know, we'll see what happens. If we need to adjust after a couple of weeks, so be it, we've got a wild card in the worst case scenario. So looking like no Liverpool for me to start the season. And then I mentioned already Matoma versus Bumo versus Ezzy versus Bowen, but I think I have removed Bowen from my watchlist today after looking at those West Ham fixtures. So that's where I'm at. I'm sure a lot of you are pretty similar, a few similar decisions, you know, goalkeepers, fifth midfielders, all that kind of stuff. Do we go Joe Pedro or not? Do we go Liverpool or not? Um, But yeah, nothing too crazy. You won't get any shocks when you see my team after the deadline on Friday. Just before I wrap up the podcast, a quick mention of the Game Week 1 captaincy. I will mention captaincy every week on the podcast, not that there's much point when Erling Haaland has a good fixture. Erling Haaland will be my captain for Game Week 1, away to Burnley, unless we get news before the deadline that he's not starting. And then I would probably just flip it to Saka, who's at home to Nottingham Forest. So I think Haaland is the number one captaincy candidate this week, and I'd probably put Saka second because of the fixture. Elsewhere, if you want to be crazy in Game Week 1, which I do not recommend, Rashford and Bruno are at home to Wolves as captaincy candidates. Kane, if he's still there, is away to Brentford. Mohammed Mohamed Salah, if you're going there, is a way to Chelsea. But yeah, certainly Erling Haaland, captain, would be my recommendation to start the season. All I'm left to do now is wish you all the very best of luck for the 23-24 season. And I hope you tune in each week for some tips and guidance on how to navigate the campaign. If you're going to Fantasy Football Fest in London on Friday, make sure you come say hello. I'm sure I'm going to be tortured with a few. Rate my teams before the deadline, but once we get to Saturday, there'll be time for beers and all that kind of stuff. I'll be back next week with two episodes, midday on Monday and after the pressers on Friday. So make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button and do check out Patreon as well to see if it's something that interests you for the new season. Talk to you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.